That sounded great. It felt great. I got a chance to meet someone. It's their first time here this morning, and they're coming all the way from Georgia. Can you believe it? You know, I got a chance to engage. You guys got a chance to find out. You know, I got a chance to learn about new Olympics sports. And he said they ride skis, and then they pull out a gun, and they shoot something, and they get back and ski again. I'm like, that's my kind of sport, except for the falling and, and rolling over and losing a leg and stuff. But anyway, um, something that's better than what you guys just did is getting each other's information. Setting up a time where you can just casually meet up and have lunch together or maybe have some coffee together. I got a chance to, um, I reached out to a pastor friend of mine. He's in, oh Lord, Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, I asked him a couple things. I needed some assistance. And this was three months ago. And we just didn't end up finishing getting what I needed. And out of nowhere, he sends me a text last week. He said, hey, man, I'm going to be in the area for a week. He said, when can we sit down and have coffee? And this was Friday. And it was the best hour and a half that I've had in quite a while. You know, so I just want to encourage each and every one of you that what you just did is beautiful. But what's even greater is where we join up together and we begin to figure out how in the world can I help you? How can I serve you? How can I help you along your spiritual journey? Amen? And what's so awesome is today's message is going to help each and every one, not only here in this room, but those who watch on YouTube and those who listen on the podcast. Listen, God created us for relationships. Let's all, let's all say, any of you introverts here this morning, any of you that have been victims of horrible people, listen, God made us for relationships. Y'all say that word one more time, even though it hurts. Let's just say it. Ready? Relationships. Let's say it one more time. Relationships. Good, good. Well, by the end of this series, because we're starting a new series, by the end of this series, you're going to learn what Dale has categorized as a 90 theme. How many, how many people just were in your high school age bracket, you know, young adult in the 90s, okay? So I came up with this name. Instead of relationships or relationship target or relationship goals, I said relations strive because we should strive to have the best relationships that we can. And Dale said, that's so 90s. And I'm like, what's 90s about? He said, it just, it just sounds 90s. I'm like, dude, you weren't even born in the 90s. <laughs> so when you read Relations Strive, does that sound 90s? Yeah. Everyone else that is around Dale's age says yes. So, hey, that's cool. That's cool. I got married in my 90s. Y'all going to get that. So, listen, what we're going to learn is relations strive. How many of you guys have bad relationships? Currently have bad relationships. Come on. Bad relationships. How many of you said, I'm never going to do such and such again when it comes with relationships? Okay? We want to avoid having those same pitfalls again in every area of our life. Now, when I say relationships, I'm not talking about romantic relationships only. I'm not talking about lovey-dove, it's the month of love, February, right? Relationships only. I'm talking about friends, 
church brothers and sisters, business partners, community relationships. That's what we're talking about. We want to thrive in those relationships. So what is a relationship? What is relation? Relation is a noun, okay? And it can be used or understood as it connects two or more things or parts and causes them to come together and they work together. They belong together and they become basically the same kind. So if you look at relation where you have Part A and part B, they come together and they work for the same cause. They become one together. God's word says that the body of Christ is many parts, right? Many parts serve many, many functions, but together we are one. We have a relation. Now, I put the word strive in there because I don't want to just have relation, existing relationships. I want to enhance every relationship that I'm a part of. And I want to encourage each and every one of you to make this year that you grow so much relationally. You strive to improve every single relationship that God puts in your path. And the way that you do that is you think relation strive. That's the verb. That's the, that's the making great efforts to achieve or to obtain something. To devote serious effort or energy to. You guys know what happens when you give haphazard energy towards something, right? What do you get in return? Watch your mouth. <laughs> you, get, you get haphazard results. And many times with relationships, one of us is probably given more than the other one is. And oftentimes we come out of that relationship, that friendship, like, gosh, are all people like this? Do I always get hurt every time I open myself up to this relationship? Listen, let's continue to devote serious effort and serious energy. Amen? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a goal this year. We're going to have a focus. Here's your goal. Here's your focus. Just imagine if every relationship that you are involved in or every relationship that you initiate the target, everybody say the target, the strive is to raise up a devoted follower of Christ. Just imagine if every influence, every friend that you have, every work buddy, every hobby buddy, whatever the case, every shopping girl, whatever, if, if the, the, the roots for having that communication, that relation, those two parts becoming one, is that they become a devoted follower of Christ. Could you imagine what High Springs would look like? Could you imagine what Fort White would look like if every Christian made that their focus of every relationship? You guys following me? That's what we should strive for, is that every person I'm in contact, every relationship, that the root, the foundation, is that I bring them, I strive to bring them to the living waters of Jesus Christ. Just think about all the people you know, all the times that you've strived, you've thirsted for something, right? People thirst for bigger homes. People thirst for better jobs. People thirst for other people's wives. People thirst for other people's husbands. Or they just want it all together. They thirst for so many things, right? Jesus says himself, he said, look, you drink this water that this world has to offer? You will thirst again. I wish you would have said you'll die of thirst. 
Because like we'll just keep on looking for everything else. But Jesus says, but if you drink the water that I give to you, you will never thirst again. I say this often. I'm so grateful I found Jesus. I have never looked for any other answer. I've never looked for any other God. I've never looked for any other religion. I've never looked for any other doctrine or belief system ever because he quenched my thirst. Now, guys, you all have an opportunity right now to be a part of something that High Springs has yet to see. And that is a church called Life Spring Church. That is a church that the foundation, the purpose behind Life Spring Church is that we bring living water to our community. And you get a chance to be a part of that as we begin to plan for launching and transferring, transforming into Life Spring Church. Let's look at that scripture in John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. So Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water that I give. Everybody say, I give. Put yourself in Jesus' shoes or sandals. Imagine yourself, you listen to your friend's problems. You listen to your, your friend's uh, issues that they're struggling with, their fears, their concerns. Just imagine if you followed Jesus' footsteps and you said, listen, if you drink this water, you're going to thirst again. This is really not the answer, sister. This, is really, this route you're going is really not going to fix all your problems because it won't quench your thirst. But the water that I give, just imagine yourself telling these people, the water that I give you, which is the living water, you will never thirst again. And not only that, there's more, like a commercial, right? Not only that, not only will your thirst be quenched and you won't have to go through this anymore, but it says out of you or inside of you becomes, everybody say it becomes, it becomes a bubbling spring. <laughs> Pillsbury Doughboy, right? Some of y'all getting hungry. How many of you have ever had an encounter with the presence of God and you felt like a bubbling spring? Come on, lift up your hands. Let's, let's just show who we're surrounded by. You felt the bubbling spring inside of you. And it says, giving them eternal life. How foolish are we? to walk around with this big old valve trying to, trying to shut off or just uh, keep that bubbling spring under pressure, right? It's not going to happen. We become miserable. We become someone that God didn't create us to be. And I'm speaking to this we as in I'm in this with you. Everybody say, I want to be a bubbling spring. I want to be a bubbling spring. Here's where we mess up. We go into relationships, we initiate friendships, and we don't have the target. Have you done that? Have you gotten into a friendship, a relationship, and you didn't have a real good target? What happened to that friendship? What happened to that relationship? Say it again. It ended. So I want to give you guys a forewarning. 
This is not a weapon. There is no bolt or arrow on here. The string is not drawn. Everybody got that? But I'm using this to help us all kind of really get the picture, okay? So if I am engaging in some sort of relationship, and if I don't have a target, if I don't have a target, what do you, what do you guys think is going to happen? What do you think? Where is my target? Wait up, wait up. Where's my target? Where, where's my target? Do you guys see what I'm talking about? What happens if this thing was really loaded? What would happen if, 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 if my target was moving? What, what would happen? What would happen is that there would be catastrophic damage. Things would get damaged. People would get hurt, right? The issue here with relationships is that we don't make God's word the foundation of our relationships. And I don't know if you noticed this or not, but if you live over 10 years, you will see that culture, society, and this world loves to change. Loves to change the definition of what relationship is. What a relationship should be based on. We have humans that now identify as animals. And are trying to get laws that would force their employers to have litter boxes in their cubicles so they can urinate or defecate in a litter box. As I said, relationships can vary vastly if we don't have, that wasn't in my notes, but stuff just happens, amen? This is what you got to base relationships on. So my point is to all of you is that, you know, if we're not focused on our relationships being a way that we can raise up a devoted follower of Christ, not a church attender. Listen, the devil recruits people to go to church every single week. Every week. Warming pews, even tithing. The devil does it. But the Holy Ghost is after people who he wants to transform to be devoted followers of Christ. Not watchers, not fans, not admirers, followers of Christ. Amen? So my point is, guys, the word says in Isaiah 40, verse 8, that grass withers, flowers fade, talking about the ways of life, but the word of God stands. The word of God stands. The word of God stands forever. So our relationships, our friendships, our partnerships, our whateverships, we should strive. The goal is to make, raise up a follower, a devoted follower of Christ. Well, how do we do that? We got to figure out and learn what is, what was the first relationship? Have you guys ever thought about that? 
We think Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve was the first relationship. No, the first relationship was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's look at that. That is in Genesis 1.26. It says, let us, there's, there's more than one there, let us make who? All right, so now we see, okay, there's a relationship between humans that's going to exist at some given point. Let us make human beings in our image to be like. So God says in the Holy Spirit, and Jesus says, let's make humans in our image. Let's make humans like us. But before God made human beings, he had to give us a place to hang out, right? He had to give us a place that he can plant us, that he can make us and place us. And we could thrive. Let's look in Genesis chapter one, verse three. Now, for those of you who have just kind of jogged through Genesis a few times or you maybe gone through a little Sunday school or you had a little children's Bible growing up. Maybe you can help me out with this. OK, but according to the scripture, it says that God said, let there be light. And what happened when he said, let there be light, that there was light. Now, what did he say after he saw that light? Say it louder. Say it louder for those in the back. Everybody say it. God created light, and he said it was good. Then you go on in verse 6 and 7. God said, let there be a vault between the waters and separate water from uh, water. And verse 7, so God made the vault and separated the water under the vault, talking about the sky, and it was so. He said it, and it happened. Verse 9 says, and God said, let the water under the sky be gathered in one place, and let the dry ground appear. He said, let, let, the, let, the, let the land appear. And then what does it say at the end of that verse? It was so in verse 10. It says that he saw it and it was. You guys are getting this. You are on the ball. Fast learners, quick learners. He created something and he said it is. He had nothing to compare it to, right? He just created it. It was good. Then you go on to verse 11. The land produced vegetation. How many of you guys like, you guys like mustard greens and collard greens? God didn't create those things. I'm sorry. I'm picking with you. No. Lima beans. No. That was like the first go round of him creating vegetation. That should have been just cold, in my opinion, like beets, radishes and things. No, no, no. We're talking about like like grapefruits. But anyway, I'm just picking with y'all. But he created vegetation. And at the end of what he created in verse 12, God saw the vegetation and he said it was. Then you continue. He says, let there be lights, let there be stars, suns, moon, and stars, and Jupiter, and Jupiter, and he says, what? It was good. He created, it was good. Verse 24, he says, look, let the land produce living creatures according to the kinds of livestock. He created aminals. And when he created the aminals, he said it was real good for those of you animal lovers sitting down on couches with seven dogs, two cats, a hamster, and a parakeet. You got the gift, amen? <laughs> Nobody got these people beat. Nobody. <laughs> or should I say this one person beat? So anyway, I'm not going to go there. But I want you guys to know God spent this time. He created all this from scratch. And he said, it is good. That ends in verse 24. That's in chapter 1. Then you go a little bit further. God created all these things. They're working together somehow, right? It's working out somehow. But Genesis chapter 2, if you fast forward a bit, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord God said, 
c'est pas bon. He said it's not good. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. All the other things you created, you said, mm, this is working out. This is good. But God says in chapter 2, verse 18, he's looking at the man, Adam. Some of y'all ladies, y'all like when y'all read this, that it is not good, right, until he brought the lady on the scene. I got where you're going. But the point I'm trying to make is that God created all these things, and he said it's good. And he created man, and he said, oh, but it's not good for him to be alone. Like what led God to then decide it's not good for man to be alone. Could it be that he had all this vegetation growing out of everywhere? Animals were just reproducing. Nobody's eating them except themselves, right? And then he's like, whoa, whoa, we got to tame this down. He needs some help. Maybe Adam was like me, overwhelmed. God, why I got to do all this? Why it's always me? Like a parent, like a mom. I'm the only one washing leaves around here, right? Oh, y'all lost humor? But he says it, it, it is not good for man to be alone. Then he says, I will make a, the beginning of this message, I did say that I don't want you guys only thinking relationship in the context of today's message about romantic relationships. Get that out of your mind, okay? We're talking about Relations, two separate parts coming together in a unified front, becoming one, working together for one cause. You guys get that? That's what we're talking relations. He says it's not good for man, man to be alone. I want to make a helper just right for him. So I want you guys to know that God wants relationships for you. Amen? I want to ask you a few questions. Is that okay? Could you put yourself... Anywhere between one and five on the questions that I'm asking, talking about relationships. So if you were to describe yourself, would you say that I'm slow to form relationships? I'm slow to form relationships. Or would you be on the opposite side that says, I'm quick to form relationships? Anytime, place, anywhere, anyone. What about this next question? I think carefully about the relationships I form. I think carefully about the relationships I form. There may be a lot of you. Or I tend to go with whatever. I tend <laughs> in choosing relationships because I'm free-spirited, and I just go with whatever. Just think about that. My relationships tend to last a long time, said no one. <laughs> Some of you are blessed, and you do have long, 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 lifelong relationships. And I spiritually envy you. I love you and I appreciate that, but um, I haven't really been blessed with that gift to retain friendships that long. Or I tend to go through relationships as quickly as I can and move on. Okay, last couple. <clears throat> I typically think of a relationship as a possible source of hurt or risk. Or are you on the other side? I typically think of relationships as a source of happiness and fun. Last one, I have just a few relationships that mean a lot to me, or I love having lots of relationships. So just think about how does that fit you, and hopefully through this whole message series, if you are on the protected, guarded, 
uh, hurt, wounded side, I'm hoping that through this series, you just meander over away from that whole part of being guarded. Because this is Damon. I'm preaching this message to me. Y'all just blessed to get like the leftovers. Oh, the Lord's doing a work in my little heart. Actually, he's doing a big work in my heart because he ain't playing around. He's tired. Everybody say, when the Lord's tired, stuff happens. Amen. 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 So God wants relationships for you. Amen. Amen. Here's what God wants first. He wants a relationship with you, and then he wants relationships for you. He said it's not good that man would be alone. I need to make him a helper. There needs to be someone that he can connect with, that they can work together on things. Amen? He said it's not good for mankind to be alone. I want you guys to think about this. Relationship has more has more power than healing cancer. If the core, the root, the target of your relationship is to raise up a devoted follower of Christ, that is more powerful powerful than healing cancer. The value of having God-loving, God-fearing, healthy relationships in your life is far greater than your vaccination status, if you understand what I'm saying. People are abandoning relationships, family relationships, because of a status on whether or not you were injected with a chemical. We are losing out on God's best, not on the vaccine, not on the chemical, not on how many people it's helped or how many people. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about how the enemy is using anything and everything he can to degrade, separate, split apart the most important thing to the soul of humanity. And that is a relationship with Jesus, number one, and a relationship with another brother or sister in Christ that can lead you to become a devoted follower of Christ. That is the most important thing we have for us, is relationships. Thank you. God said it's not good. It's not good to be alone. But what happens when we get hurt in relationships? What happens when we get taken advantage of? advantage of time and time and time again. What happens? We quit. We're guarded. Then we start planting little bitty shrubs of bitterness, resistance, jadedness, callous. I'm just callous. I don't want to fool with people anymore. And you just build this one hedge after the next. And next thing you know, you've got this whole privacy wall. You know when you drive through your neighborhood and out of nowhere someone has a 12-foot privacy fence? You think that was done because they're beautiful? Like, honestly, do you think a 12-foot privacy fence is attractive? It's done because a relationship did not have the right goal at some given way by someone. It's a wall. It's a barrier to protect, to guard. Now, there's reasons for that, but that is not how God created us 
to exist and live in our lives. And I'm speaking this from existence. Listen, I could, I could, I could make a friend with a, a post. I could be cool with anybody's personality from a hummingbird to a Tasmanian devil. It didn't matter to me. Like, I'm just, I'm cool. I'd get along with anybody. It was something this big. I'd go over to strangers, old people's house, drink coffee, 6 o'clock in the morning at 7 years old, like I was, I was 70 years old with them. I mean, just anybody. But when I started getting hurt by people, I started getting done wrong, judged, physically hurt, whatever in the case, manipulation, just brokenhearted. Guess what happened? It's just, it's just me. I just got to protect me. So I want to give us a little outline. Can we do that? Can I give us an outline? Five things. Five things that God gives us as a, a, an, a blueprint for relationships. Let's look at the way he did this with Adam, okay? Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9, 10. Earlier we just learned that it's not good that man should be alone, but this is what he said in Ecclesiastes. I want everybody to read this out loud. Can y'all do this, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10? Can y'all do it? Two or what? Oh, Lord. That's in God's word. Two are better than one. For they can do what? They can do what? Many times we're trying to do it on our own because we don't want to be hurt by the other person. God's word says you get in the right relationship with the right target, the right foundation, the right strive. Two are better than one because they can help each other succeed. What's going to happen inevitably in the next verse? We're not perfect. I say it all the time. I will let you down. And I don't say that pridefully. I say that because it's the truth. Your expectations of a pastor are horrible. They are. They are. Like every day we put our pants on. I don't wear skirts, but we put our pants on the same way, men. Ladies, if you're wearing pants, we, we're, we're the same. I just chose to believe what I read and that he called me. When are you going to believe what you read that he's called you? He's created you. He's given you a purpose. I'm sorry I'm preaching. But it says that one is going to fall. But if two are gathered, two are together, they're better. Why? Because the other one can what? Can reach out. Reach out and do what? In Creole, it's ede. Ede. Help. Help. But, oh, if someone falls when they're alone, the Bible says they're really in trouble. So here's what I want to give you. This is how you check what's a qualification for a, a, a relationship that God has for you. Does it help you spiritually? That should be your first filter. You feel so obligated to so many relationships, so many people. Let me ask you a question. Does it help you? you spiritually is it drama after drama is it hurt feeling after hurt feeling is it confusion after confusion if it is do an inspection on whether or not 
you're supposed to be in this friendship, this relationship. Does it help you spiritually? Now, if they are not where you are spiritually, which is how it should be in some of our relationships because we're the one that needs to help them, but by us helping them up, it's helping us because we're staying on track because we're keeping this relationship focused on God because I'm, I'm pulling you up. I'm bringing you up. I'm discipling you, right? But if all the others are just pulling and nagging and tugging and, and just leeching off of you and just causing so much unwanted drama and nobody's helping anybody spiritually, abort. <laughs> abort. Burn the bridge. Sink the ship. Sail on on a paddle boat, whatever the case you got to do, because you got to get back with this relation. Amen? People pull you down. So here's, here's a little, here's what God says, okay? God wants to have a relationship from him, and then he wants us to have relationships. He wants relationships for us. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he did what? He placed, he placed the man he made. So God created man, he created the earth, he placed Adam in this specific place. You guys got that? He placed him. Then the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow up on the ground, trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Let's go to verse 15. Here's the reason why God placed Adam. Here's the reason. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden. Why? To tend and watch over it. Oh, God spoke to me this morning when I was studying again. He said, Damon, as a pastor, I have given you, I've placed you so that you could tend and watch over it. Notice that my tending, my purpose, Adam's tending and purpose comes after something that already happened. Something that God already did. What did God already do in Genesis? He planted the garden. He made uh, the trees and the plants produce. Productivity is not solely Adam's responsibility. Y'all see that? His purpose was to tend and watch over. It doesn't necessarily mean multiply and make grow. That's God's job. Amen? God is the one who grows his kingdom. But we are to tend and watch over. Then he goes on, but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the fruit of from every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil. Then the Lord said in verse 18, it's not man that good, that, it's not man that, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper just right for him. Okay, let's look at, at the first thing. God desires to give you a place. God desires to give you a place. God desires to give you a place. You know, people that's always, well, I'm going to get this job, or I'm going to move over here, or I'm leaving so-and-so, and I'm, I'm, I'm going here. I'm going, I'm, gonna, I'm moving to so-and-so's house. I'm moving in with so-and-so. Or I'm not making enough money. I'm going, always going somewhere, always searching. And they're telling you this because they want you to either affirm where they currently are, and, oh, no, you need to stay where you are, or they want you to affirm where they're going. Right? Why not just... Pause for a moment and reflect. God, I felt at once you placed me here. What changed? 
More often than not, it was our attitude, our perception. And the second thing is God places you somewhere so that he could reveal your purpose. And many of us, we don't want to go through the changes it takes to fulfill God's purpose in our life. So then we choose our own place. That's why affairs happen. Men and women want to now choose their own place, right? No? That's why people hop churches like, like it's going out of style, because they want to choose their own place. Or they'll get planted somewhere. God will place them at a body, at a church. But when it comes time for God to reveal his purpose in their life, which takes some, some molding, not by me, but by God, Oh, I, I, oh, that's just too much. I, I don't like this and this ain't. And they start finding everything wrong and then they place themselves somewhere else and think they're doing good. And guess what happens less than three years later? They uproot and place themselves somewhere else. Same thing with jobs. Do you see a pattern like this in people's lives? They move from rental house to rental house, rental house to rental house, job to job, relationship to relationship. Why? Because they're not comfortable with letting God place them where he wants them. One amen would have been good on that. God places us specifically where he wants us for the purpose. Did you notice that Adam was placed there and given a purpose, but he did not talk with God about why his purpose was his purpose? He had no say so. He had no say-so. Well, that's the reason why I'm not a Christian. That's the reason I don't believe this book. It's oh, but if you, just, if you just fulfill his purpose, everything works out pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Eternity with him? That's, I call that a win, right? I call that a win. Not going to hell where I, I know I got reservations, I belong. I call that a win. So God puts us in a place, and the place is that he, he reveals the purpose that he made us for. Adam didn't come to this place in Arborist. Adam didn't come to this place already being a zoologist. Right? He had to learn OJ on-the-job training. If God's placed you in a church, you need to get involved, and you need to get some on-job training so that you can fulfill the purpose for which he placed you at that body. Two amens would be good. It didn't say that Adam went there and just consumed every leaf and every animal. But that's how churches are these days. People just want to consume, 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 consume. Let me go to the third thing. God gives you purpose. He gives you a place. He gave Adam a place. The purpose was to tend and watch over all that God had created. And then he gives that's the purpose. Then the provision. What's the provision? What's the provision that God gives? Let's look. Verse, verse 9. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. His job was to tend over. Adam's job was to tend and watch over it. God supplies what he needs. God will fund only his ideas. And that's been a hard thing for me to learn. Hard thing for me to learn. God supplies where he guides. 
We got to step out. We got to walk. If he's leading this direction, he's going to supply where he guides. You don't have to make everything and set it up before you get there. That's what that's his job. Look at verse uh, nine in Proverbs 16. For the heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. God gives you a place. To reveal your purpose. And he also gives you provision. Provision so that you can begin to fulfill that purpose. How many of you are compromising your walk with God so that you can gain provision from other sources rather than God? Some of you are doing things financially that are illegal, doing things that are financially um, against some of the Ten Commandments that you should profit in the wrong way when you're not even tithing. You're doing what you can to, to get this money in, and you're not even tithing. Do you see this? He's going to provide for you if you tend to what he tells you to tend and be a good steward of. How are you compromising your walk to gain provision? And even if it's not financially, how many people are shacked up living together in, in, under the title of they're helping pay the rent. They're helping cover the costs. My mom was in an abusive marriage for 25 years because she wanted provision from a man rather than getting provision directly from God. How many of you do know that are like that? That's not God's plan, people. It's not God's plan. He puts us in a place. He reveals our purpose, and he gives us the provision. And then he gives us, number four, the identity. God planted, God, the Lord God planted the Garden of Eden in the east, and he placed a man he had made. God made us. God made humanity. What is our identity? They say it together. We will make, let's create humans, in our image. Our identity is in Christ. Our identity is supposed to fall in line with who God created us to be. We are supposed to live like God. We are supposed to love like God. We are supposed to forgive like God. We're supposed to be generous like God. We're supposed to be free like God. Can I get an amen? That's our identity, is to be in Christ. You're always going to be uncomfortable trying to take on the identity that other, other people give to you. And me, even as a pastor, oh, my goodness, has it little wrecked my little 20-something years of ministry. Trying to fit the identity of all the hundreds or thousands of people that walk in a door that place a certain image on me. You know how many desires a human has in a day? You know what I mean? For any of us. And I messed up. I messed up trying to be good for Shane. I messed up trying to be what Misty wanted me to be. I messed up trying to be what Sandy wanted me to be, what Drew wanted me to be, what Sean wanted me to be, what David wanted me to be. Because all of you have different desires, right? And it got me so far off track, <laughs> way off. So that derails more people. Why? Because I'm not fitting their 
image. What are you doing in your life? What identity are you trying to fulfill if it ain't his identity? People come into your lives wanting you to let them down. So they have something or someone to blame for their dysfunction. I'm not saying you're not responsible for some of your actions. I'm saying I'm responsible for some of my actions. But I'm going to tell you right now, I can tell now when people come into my life, whether or not they come into my life wanting me to offend them. Be on the lookout in your life. Please be on the lookout in your life. Avoid them. Love them from a distance. Who's that, Bette Midler? From a distance, the world. No, just love them from a distance. Or else they're taking you down. And the last thing, and there's a lot more I could have covered today, but you know me, this is my habit. The last thing that God did is he gave them parameters. He said, Adam, you can have everything here except this one tree. Did you notice that God gave Adam a place? God gave Adam his purpose. God gave Adam provision. God gave Adam identity. And God even gave Adam parameters all before he gave him Eve. What should that say for you? That should say before I try and keep all these relationships steady or make new ones. I need to make sure I have a right relationship with God. I let him place me where he wants me. I stay where he places me so that I can I can understand my purpose and begin to walk in that. Because what's the point of living your whole life if you don't fulfill his purpose? And then when you, you see his purpose revealed, then you see, oh, my goodness, you provided this. You provided that. You equipped me. You opened doors. You led. Oh, wow. And then your identity changes. You're not that wounded person that came in. You're not that selfish man that came in anymore. You're not that weak, abused woman anymore, right? Your identity is now in Christ. Then you start to see that, wow, God has given me parameters. And parameters is I'm going to keep him first. And when he tells me not to do such and such, not to go around these folks, not to engage in oaths and covenants with people that God did not ordain, then that's what you don't do. Amen? We're going to be covering a lot for this series. We're going to be covering our relationship with God. We're going to be covering our relationship with others and our community. We're going to be talking about romantic relationships. For those of you who like that type of stuff, some of y'all are going to blush, and that's okay. You've done worse, I know. Um, but we're going to cover everything in the month of love. So my greatest desire is that you plan to not just attend, but you plan to write notes, take it in, invite someone. Invite someone that needs some relationship foundation, some solidity in their life when it comes to relationships, right? Invite them. 
Let's pray. Father, we do thank you, God, for your presence. We thank you, God, for your peace. We thank you, God, for your glory. We thank you, God, for your word. God, I pray that it would begin to mold and shape in God our hearts so that our hearts would then begin to influence our character and our personality, God. And I thank you, Lord, for every person in this room. Mm. Words cannot express, Lord, how grateful I am that each person in this room comes here searching, seeking to hear from you. God, what a great opportunity. What a great, God, opportunity I have, but it is very scary to be able to help these folks along their spiritual journey. I'm humbled, God. I'm humbled. I'm so unfit. But, God, I want you to know how grateful I am that you've kept these people connected to you, hungry for you, searching for you. And, God, would you meet them here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cool beans. We got some good stuff going on. I'm just letting y'all know. Good stuff going on. Big serve is going to be lit. Let me say that again. All of y'all better plan to be there March 12th because this could be on. I need cameramen, camera ladies. I need anything you could think about that you can do. If you can hold a paper and a pen and a marker, if you can just like move one piece of junk and sit, we need you. Because we are going to do a makeover on Mr. Randy's house, okay? A makeover. We're going to have banners, T-shirts. Every one of you are going to have T-shirts. Brand new, big serve, life spring T-shirts. You know this, right? Y'all know this? We're going to be starting small groups. You guys are going to be hosting. I need some Fort White small groups. I need some Lake City small groups. I need some Alachua small groups. I need some High Spring small groups. It's going to be starting. Because there may be some Sundays where we don't meet at one location, depending on what we rent or depending on what we buy. I'm just, I'm just prepping, y'all. So you guys are going to be leading a small group or hosting a small group, and we'll have somebody that's prepared to lead to host it at your house. We're going to be doing so many crazy things in our community. 